Welcome to A Feminist in Progress, the podcast where, oh gee, it's 5pm? Well, I guess I'll see you next time then. Quiet quitting is a phrase you may have been hearing or reading about lately. It's not quitting one's job per se, but quitting, going above and beyond one's explicit duties at work, or declining to take on tasks that one is not given a proper compensation for. Quiet quitting can be something like closing work-related tabs and apps after your shift, muting work-related group chats, ignoring non-urgent work-related messages from work colleagues in the evening or on weekends, or not volunteering for additional duties when you already have other tasks that need more of your attention, or saying no when you believe that you cannot adequately give your time and energy to, you know, for whatever tasks that they're asking you to take on. Did I say quiet quitting? Maybe I should try to call it for what it actually is. Setting healthy boundaries where your life doesn't revolve around your work and acknowledging that work is only one dimension of your life, not its sum. In an article by Amina Kilpatrick published in NPR, she wrote, Quiet quitting is in line with a larger re-evaluation of how work fits into our lives and not the other way around. As Gen Z is entering the workplace, the idea of quiet quitting has gained traction as Gen Zers deal with burnout and never-ending demands. Kilpatrick quotes Ed Zitron, who runs a media consulting business for tech startups and publishes the labor-focused newsletter, Where's Your Ed At? <laughs> Quite witty. Zitron tells Kilpatrick, The term quiet quitting is so offensive because it suggests that people that do their work have somehow quit their job, framing workers as some sort of villain in an equation where they're doing exactly what they were told. Zitron writes in his own newsletter, quote, Quiet quitting is not quitting. It is not doing less. It is doing exactly what you are paid to do, not taking on additional responsibilities, not working past your allotted hours, and being paid to do so. End quote. Zitron adds, Quiet quitting isn't about quitting at all, nor is it about doing an inferior job, nor is it about rejecting hustle culture. People just realize that after two years of a pandemic where it was clear society respects businesses more than workers, a pandemic where hundreds of thousands of people were laid off while corporations reaped huge profits, their bosses and managers do not go above and beyond for them. Furthermore, it's becoming alarmingly obvious to most workers that there is absolutely no meritocracy. Working hard does not mean you'll go far, and going above and beyond rarely, if ever, nets anything other than free work for an uncaring boss. In a way, I am doing my own quiet quitting, or as it should be known, boundary setting. I do this in my day job as a college instructor. 
I ignore work-related messages that I receive beyond work hours and respond to those addressed to me during my work hours, mostly during the first hour of work. I do not extend that overly hyped, you know, spirit of volunteerism that they espouse in my workplace that is actually code for we're short-staffed, so here's a task that will mean taking time and attention away from your actual job. You know, I, I recently heard this spirit of volunteerism thingy, thingamaji recently, and I was like, oh, gotta include that in podcast. I also um, do my own quiet quitting of sorts by prioritizing my duties stated in my contract and ensuring that whatever work-related correspondences I have with my colleagues are done during work days and work hours. And also when it comes to like correspondences with students, I was like stern and clear about that when it came to my course orientations for this semester where I, I mentioned, you know, how you can reach out to me and stuff like that. And also being clear that I also set this precedent of sorts where I mentioned, you know, I'm not gonna post anything related to our class outside of our work schedule and all that so yeah those things it's all it's, it's really just about setting healthy boundaries the way i i see it and sometimes i i have this notion that this attitude that i have when it comes to work and the way that i set healthy boundaries surrounding work that these may leave a not-so-good impression on some of my older colleagues who still buy into this work-until-you're-burned-out uh, kind of way, judging by the way that they still send messages on work-related group chats, even on off-hours and weekends, uh, or the way they use we are a family as a code for you to go above and beyond your boundaries. And personally, hot take, but maybe not so hot take, I think nobody should think of their work colleagues as family. Um, in a way that, you know, we would, you know, um, cross boundaries. Oh, okay, I'm thinking of like a different way of phrasing this. Or the way you would like, you know, um, apart from <laughs> why do I keep thinking of you going above and beyond of just basically moving heaven and earth to use a different metaphor there Um, I just I, I don't I don't I don't want to buy into this idea that your workmates or your colleagues or your family I uh, maybe that's a topic for another episode <laughs> and also um, I see that in my colleagues, um, to them, working hard is still preferred over working smart. Um, these are just, you know, among my other observations in my one year so far in this chapter of my life where I am teaching at a university. Um, yeah, that has this work culture and... Yeah, it's just, it's so, so vastly different from um, my experiences prior to that. And also um, 
when it comes to my values um yeah there's just there's a bit of a misalignment there but out of my elder colleagues um there's only one who's shown a healthier example of what it means to work in that place uh, by striking a balance between doing your duties and taking necessary rests. She's the only one I've seen say something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing something that um, she said in a work-related group chat that I cannot just help but applaud, where she said something along the lines of, can we not think about this right now? It's a weekend. And she's the only one that I've heard use my daily mantra of one day at a time. You know, she mentioned it along the context of just taking it one day at a time when it comes to her work, you know, not overthinking things or overwhelming themselves when it comes to a lot of things. And out of my elder colleagues, I'll admit she's the one whom I genuinely respect, not someone I feel like I have to respect because they are my elders. She's a rare example of what it means to work in this day and age. I am quiet quitting because I literally do not get paid enough for this day job. As I mentioned in an earlier episode called What I've Learned from My First Year of Teaching During a Pandemic. I also mentioned that in that episode that I was away from this podcast for a while because I felt burned out during the first half of 2022, specifically during the second semester of the last school year. I had a hectic workload combined with a fizzled passion for teaching. Looking back, I, f- I felt that way because I crossed my own boundaries by working even when I was already depleted tolerating correspondences with colleagues beyond work hours because I was being a people pleaser who didn't want to come across as difficult to work with and getting lost in a workload that had me preparing for uh, about five classes, four of which were courses I had to teach for the first time. So it was as if I was learning the subject matter as I went. So if it is quiet quitting to put my personal well-being above a job that does not sustain my life in an increasingly rocky economy, then I guess I am quiet quitting. (laughs) I am breaking away from this idea that, as a teacher, in a public university no less, I should be going above and beyond just because. I am staying within the bounds of my expected duty and working to the best of my abilities without burning out because it is not fair to take on teaching duties and have class sizes that reach 60 plus students and in one case 80 plus students where I cannot address the individual needs of the students. Going back to Zitron, He argues that quiet quitting shouldn't be applied to the workers. He says, there's a far more compelling argument to say that executives are the ones quiet quitting. They're the ones who have failed to create incentive structures for working harder and doing more. They're the ones that have failed to create meaningful ways to grow in an organization. 
And they're the ones that are now complaining that people aren't working hard enough. He adds, the quiet quitting panic is being spread because, just like The Office, not the show The Office, there is no compelling argument to be made to convince those quiet quitting to do otherwise. None of this is about burnout or rejecting hustle culture. It's multiple generations realizing there is no incentive to do more work than they are told to because there is no reason to. I originally thought about ending this episode with a reminder to listeners to be mindful of enforcing their boundaries at work. I do, indeed, want to encourage workers to do just that. But I also want those in positions of power to create better work environments where workers feel valued and adequately compensated for the work that they do. Of course, this is easier said than done and can depend on the workplace and the industry. Quiet quitting exposes a larger systemic problem, one that we can't approach from the individualistic angle and call it a day after telling workers what they can do. I suppose telling employers to do better, a la new Captain America Sam Wilson in the series finale of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You know, you've got to do better, Senator. <laughs> I'd, I'd add a soundbite here, but I don't think I have the soundbite anymore. I'll try. Well, you'll find out. You've got to do better, Senator. You've got to step up. It feels unfeministy. <laughs> to go the individualistic route. But I can both encourage workers to stand their ground in their setting and enforcement of boundaries when it comes to work, while also saying employers need to do better. Well, I guess do better employers and to us employees in the meantime, stand your ground, man. Stand your ground when it comes to your personal boundaries protect your energy protect yourselves there's more to life than work at least that's what i'm telling myself it's more complicated than that i know but i suppose there is some truth to it it's a beacon of hope i suppose there's more to life than work Thanks for joining me in this bonus episode of A Feminist in Progress. I've taken a break of sorts from the book's series to talk about something timely and relatable. I think A Feminist in Progress is turning into a part-time um, podcast about work. <laughs> Remember that you can support the show by giving a donation via paypal.me slash progress or through the GCash details in the show notes. You can also support the show by sharing links to the podcast episodes or following us on social media at Feminist in Progress Pod on Instagram or at AFIP underscore pod on Twitter. Yes, we are on Twitter. <laughs> I'll catch you on the next episode. And remember, when it comes to working, it's about progress, not perfection.